really excited today. We had a great uh, first service. If you don't know, we have a 9 a.m. service, and it was just spectacular. Um, uh, there were three young people who got baptized uh, in the 9 a.m. service, which was cool. This, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And uh, I hope they recorded all of them. The, the little girl, though, in particular, uh, was just shockingly beautiful uh, in, in, her, in her understanding of the gospel. It was just really powerful. So uh, the good news is, is that we have multiple services, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on. But you have options when you're coming and you're growing. Now, we're going to see uh, someone else get baptized, and they're also young. In fact, today, we'll have more young people getting baptized today than ever in the history of Recovery House of Worship. I don't think if you add up all the baptisms, uh, do we have this many people under 12 uh, getting baptized, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think so. And so we're excited about what God is doing in the hearts of the young people. Um, but I need you to know this. These are not people that we've cajoled or enforced or... Um, thank you. Um, cajoled or enforced or... Or, or said, you know, hey, you got to get, you know, you got to get baptized, you got to, no, 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 no. We never do that, ever. Uh, what we've done in the uh, children's ministry is simply present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel, right, we, you've heard me say the gospel a million times, right? You're worse than you think, and God loves you more than you can imagine, right? You go, oh, it's not that bad. No, 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 it's worse. You're worse. You. The person sitting in your seat, not the person you're thinking about, the person sitting in your seat is worse than you think. And you deserve wrath and hell and damnation. We all do. And yet God gives us love from Christ that you can't possibly imagine. And that's what the, we teach the kids and, and that's what we're trying to teach you and, and uh, see God work. So it, it was awesome. Today we're going to get into uh, our, our message. It's found in Ephesians I want you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians. Um, and I want to start by asking a simple question. What's your shadow mission? What's your shadow mission? Your shadow mission is the mission that you're going to give the rest of your life to if you don't listen to what we're trying to say in this message. Your shadow mission is the mission that you're going to give the rest of your life to that is not the mission that God put you on earth for. What is your shadow mission? The people who are clearest about their shadow mission to me are the people who are on their deathbed. Those are the people who are absolutely clear about what their shadow mission is. So I go on, uh, I go on uh, the, the hospital room and I sit down next to them and they start confessing things to me. This is my life. This is what happens, right? I've seen more people take the last breath than I care to confess. It's a lot, right? And I sit with them and I go, you know, so how are you doing? He goes, man, I'm struggling with regret. Well, tell me about your regret. And they start speaking about their shadow mission. Now, they don't say that this is my shadow mission, but that's what they start speaking about. They say things like this. They say, I wish I hadn't spent so much time at work and I would have spent more time with my family. 
That's what they're doing is they're confessing their shadow mission. Their shadow mission was to make more money. Their shadow mission was to find their identity in their workplace. Their shadow mission was to find I, their, the, who they are in what they did. So they confessed their shadow mission even though they wouldn't use the word. I'd sit down next to another guy and he'll, you know, and I'm sitting with him and he goes, you know what? I wish I wouldn't have gone from family to family wrecking lives. You know, when I went through my midlife crisis, I, you know, bought the Corvette and got the young girlfriend and just left. I wish I hadn't done it. And I go, well, what were you thinking? He goes, well, I just wanted, I wasn't happy. And so you know what they're saying? They're saying that their shadow mission is to be happy. It's to be, jo- just, just to be happy. That's their shadow mission in life. Remember, their shadow mission is the mission that you're going to spend the rest of your life pursuing that is not God's mission for you in life. Everybody has their shadow mission. You want to know what mine is? Uh, you want to know. Okay, there's one guy, so I'm going to talk to him. Okay, no. My shadow mission is to have my name in lights. My shadow mission is to be famous for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. My shadow mission is to write books like The Purpose Driven Recovery House of Worship or something like that, right? My shadow mission is to go into stadiums and be able to preach God's word and say, you know, with a southern drawl, perhaps from Texas, you'll be blessed, blessed, blessed. That's my shadow mission. That if I don't check my heart, I'll do this for my own ego. That I will absolutely ignore the good of the community of believers that God has given me the responsibility to shepherd. And I'll go, in this state, there's a church of 600 people that will be happy to pay me to... And then I'll just start, and I'll start thinking career rather than call. Do you understand? That's my shadow mission. Now, before you get all offended about my shadow mission, what's yours? What's yours? What's your shadow mission? Everyone's got one. I just shared with you mine. What's yours? And so, as you're thinking about that in your mind, what I want you to do is don't get distracted with my shadow mission. I want you to ask, because in the end, if you live out your shadow mission, let me tell you something, there's a lot of, there's a lot of women who are spending so much money in clothes and makeup and plastic surgery and it, because they get their identity from being beautiful. And, and, you know, time is ruthless. And so, you know, there's just, there's just so, right? It's, it's like so much what you can do. But yet, they'll do that for the rest of their lives because that's their shadow mission, to be seen as outwardly beautiful. What's your shadow mission? What's your shadow mission? Now think it in your mind. Uh, you know, When you discover what's your shadow mission, your shadow mission is the thing that you're all about doing that's not the purpose of God. If you're not sure what your shadow miss- mission is, just find out what you get all angry and upset about if it doesn't go your way. Just find out what you get all worked up about. Go back to your last argument. Usually, when people are saying this to you, when people are saying, why are you getting so worked up over this? It's because you're stepping on their shadow mission. 
Why are you getting so excited about this? Right? So the kid doesn't do so well in school. He's got a C average. You wanted an A average. No, 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 no. I need to be known as a good mother. Now, of course, there are good uh, motivations for helping your kids in school. Like, you know, I want them to be blessed. I want them to learn. I want them to grow. I want them to be studious and work hard and develop those habits. But for some people, it's not those reasons at all. It's because if anybody finds out that they are a C student, then what you'll do is it'll reflect or look bad on you, and you can't have that. Because your shadow mission is to be a good mom. And you'll, do, listen to me, you will sacrifice your child on the altar of your ego in order to get your shadow mission done. Maybe, I, I could do this forever. You get what I'm saying, right? Um, for as many people as there are, as many shadow missions as you have in your marriage, it could, your shadow mission could simply be getting what you want. Just getting what you want. The purpose of this marriage, the purpose of this house, the purpose of this family is to give me what I want. Which is why it's so easy for so many of us to get a divorce. Because you're following your shadow mission. Make sense? See, I'm not happy! Of course, the response is, who cares? <laughs> We're not together to be happy. We're together to honor God in all that we do. But no, 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 no. And for some of y'all, that's a revelation. You should go home right there and just, that's enough for you. And that's just, that's more than you needed. Right? For this service, right? And say, no, 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 don't you understand? My marriage is supposed to be for my happiness. No, it's not supposed to be for your holiness. I'm saying, I, listen, I counsel the guys who went from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship trying to find happiness. And I'm telling you, I just, you know, take it from a dude who's been doing this for a minute. Pain and suffering and then the carnage that they leave behind is terrible. What's your shadow mission? Have you got it in your head? Because that's the one I want to speak against. The reason that you need to listen to this message is because there's a temptation in every single one of us to be on our shadow mission. There's a temptation that if you're not careful, you'll get to your deathbed before you figure it out. There's a temptation for us to live for something other than the glory of God, which is the mission that God put you on this earth for. It's the glory of God. It's not the glory of you. It's the glory of God. It's not the celebration of you. It's the glory of God. It's not for your fame. It's for His Fame, but that's such an offensive thing, especially here in America. Because it's all, listen to me, we have sayings, you know, it's all, it's all about me. You know, it begins and ends with me. You know, it, it's, it's all about, it's, it's, listen, God forbid, God forbid it should always be about you. Matter of fact, the people in, around you in your life are begging you to get this message so that they don't have to live the whole rest of their life all about you. There are people who are crying tears of sorrow, hoping you stop living for your shadow mission. There are people whom you are hurting. You're thinking about them right now. You've got to get this. It's not a shadow mission. We're living for the real mission, the real purpose in life. Not just you, like the person sitting in your seat, but y'all, like the congregation that I'm speaking to, like the church, the one church that we have that meets at two different times, at 9 a.m. and 11.15. I'm speaking to our church so that we could be not on our shadow mission to make me famous, but on our real mission 
to glorify God and disciple people for the fame in the name of Jesus Christ. God knows that we're all tempted to be on our shadow mission. God knows that the congregation will be tempted to be on their shadow mission. And so he gives us a real mission. And you're going to find it in Ephesians chapter 3, verses... Well, you'll find it in a lot in Ephesians, but we're going to look at particularly Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. If you don't have your Bible, we've thought about you. And by the way, if you're new and you don't know Jesus or you're kicking the Christian tires or whatever the reason is that you're here or someone invited you, I'm so grateful that you're here. This is so cool. And quite frankly, I've given you too much already. So I'm glad that you've shown up. But I want you to know, I want you to know that what we're going to speak about today is for Christians. And so you can listen in. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ, you can listen in and maybe make a decision about whether you want to become one or not. God knows that every one of us is tempted to live for our shadow mission. God knows this about us. And He wants to give us the real mission. Let me give you the real mission, okay? And uh, it's, it's a statement that John Piper Said, And in the end, it's to glorify God. That's our real mission in life, right? We glorify God. But let me tell you how we glorify God. You ready? Here it is. This is the takeaway that I want you to remember. God is most glorified in us when you are most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Because you know what you glory You tend to glory the thing you derive the most pleasure from. That's why you're willing to sacrifice so much for it. That's why, right? Whatever it is, some of you have used uh, drugs. Some of you have uh, broken relationships. Some of you have pursued finances. Some of you have done all sorts of outrageous things to pursue pleasure because you tend to glorify that which you find pleasure in. God says, "I I am most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in me. Not doing religious stuff. Not running off doing, you know, trying to act like somebody that you're not. Listen to me. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Now, there's a lot that we have to cover today. So we're going to look through this text. We're going to try to go as deep as we can. I'm going to try to apply it, not only to you as an individual, but to you as a congregation, as a body, because we're going somewhere. Today's uh, a standalone message, and it's called the State of the Church. The President has the State of the Union. I have the State of the Church, right? And so, and so I'm going to share that with you. Yes, there's my, my red, white, and blue. Okay, there you go. And so, um, we're going to do this, but I need you to pay attention. Are you ready? Alright, now one of the things that we do as a, a habit in our uh, congregation, we stand for God's word because God's word is holy, perfect, and pure. And we're like, it's like reverence. When the president walks in the room, we, span, we stand because the, we reverence the office. When we read God's word, we stand because we reverence his word. So we're going to read it all together. Okay, is everybody ready? We're going to read it all together out loud. Ready? One, two, three. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide 
and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May God bless the hearing and the reading of His Word. Please have a seat. Okay. God doesn't want you to have your shadow mission. God doesn't want you to live out your shadow mission. God doesn't want you to live out of that pretend place that you think you're going to find the most pleasure from. God wants you to... Listen to me. Listen to me. If you're a good parent, you don't want your kids to eat junk food all the time. Right? Good parents, at least, will say, no, 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 no. You can't have junk food for breakfast. You can't have junk... You know, why? 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 Because there's, there's things that you can take in that might not be as fun to have in the moment, but will bless you in the future. Right? Give a kid... The parent that allows their kid to have junk food um, for their entire life at 21, that kid has to have all of his teeth replaced because of the junk food he has. He's no longer rejoicing in the parent. Right? He's saying, gosh, I wish this parent would have loved me enough to know better than me and direct me. Well, same thing with God. Same thing with God. He knows better than us. And He has a plan and an idea about your life that He would like you to be in on. Because here's the deal. God is going to get glory from your life. Let me tell you something. Be a bank robber and God will get glory. In the end, if you read Philippians, it says, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. All of us are going to give glory to God. That's the good news. The not so good news is that some of us are going to have no joy in the process. Some of us are going to suffer a great deal. Some of you who are using for long periods of your life you, would, you will give God glory. Or you did give God glory, but what a painful way to do so. Maybe you gave God glory by a young person looking up at your life and saying, I'm never going to be like them. I don't want to be like them. I, don't, I just don't want to use like them. And God got glory. He said, yeah, you know what? I'm glad that that's implanted in your mind. It's, and it, but it's, what a horrible way to give that message, right? It's much better to be in your right mind and say, hey, by the way, don't go in that direction. Like, that's the kind of glory I want to give. Some of you have, again, you know, we go, you know, some of you have, man, it's just so much that we do throughout life that can cause so much pain and destruction, right? My father left my house when I was a young kid, caused so much pain, so much destruction. Still, listen, 40 years old, still feeling the effects of it, still feeling the effects of it. And yet, because of the pain and the suffering that I went through, that brought me into a deeper depression, draw me to my knee, first drew me to some bad stuff, but eventually that didn't satisfy, and then it drew me to my knees to long for the only one who could satisfy. So, God got glory from it. But I'm sad that my dad did it that way. I would have preferred if he would have just said, you know, Edwin, give God glory. I would have preferred if he'd have stuck in state. I would have preferred if he'd... You get that, right? It would have been a little bit... Every one of you are going to give God glory. 
The question is, are you going to do it on purpose? Or are you going to do it by mistake? My hope is, by the end of this message, you'll be determined to give God glory on purpose. Verse 14. So, Paul, who knows that our proclivity is to is to give ourselves glory and not God, has a prayer for the, for the people that he's writing to in Ephesus. And he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray. Here's his prayer. Are you ready? And let, let me give it to you from the beginning, actually. Here's three things that Paul's going to pray for you. He's going to pray that the Spirit in you... Remember, I'm speaking to Christians. If you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ, you could just listen in. But I'm speaking to Christians. That the Spirit that God puts inside of you would strengthen you. That the Christ who lives in you would give you abundant love. And that the Father's fullness... The fullness uh, would be in you. The Spirit in you giving you strength is verse 16. The love of Christ is verse 17. And the fullness of the Father is verse 19. Let's look quickly and see if we can't um, see what God is saying for us. I pray, verse 16, I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. I don't know about you, but man, do I need that. Don't you? Strength, that is. I mean, isn't it true that you go through some stuff in your life that you just, you know, and I, I know, I know, I know, I know some of us live in a world where we're the strong one, where we're the powerful one, where if it's got to be, it's up to me, and I'm going to make it happen, and I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to, you know, grin and bird, you know, and you, you're probably a lot like me. You had a lot of stuff happen to you, you know, right? I had some bad stuff happen to me when I was young. And so I was never going to let that happen again, right? So I take utter control of every... Y'all call it it control freak? I call it survival techniques, right? It's like, wow. It's, I can't let things get out of control. Now, when we come to Christ, when we come to Christ, we recognize that there's a power far bigger than us that has control and we can trust Him. You can't always trust me. I know I can't trust me but we can trust that He has what's best for us. And when He leads us in those places that are difficult, He says, I'll give you strength. But God, this is so painful! I'm going to give you strength. But God, I feel like I'm breaking inside! I'll give you strength. But God, I don't think I can take this anymore! I'll give you strength. I'll give you strength by the Spirit in verse 16. Verse 17 says this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So that Christ would be within and that your decisions would be, listen to me, not you based, Christ based. Filled with love. Let me ask you something. Who in your life is hurting because you don't love well? Who in your life is suffering because your agenda, your shadow mission, is all about you getting pleasure, you getting joy, 
Nothing about Jesus' love. Nothing about sacrificing in Jesus' name. Who? Can you think of them? Who? God says, listen, if you're my kid, if, big if, if you're my kid, I'll put the Spirit inside of you, give you strength during the tough times in life, and I'll give you love so that you could endure some difficult moments and you could live for Christ, not for the, not for the reward that you'll get, but for the reward that you've already gotten. That's Christ's love. And so you say, like I say, but God, they don't deserve my love. God, I'm so angry at them. God, I can't take what they're doing to me. And so Jesus, if you, I don't know, how are your conversations with Jesus? Because my conversations with Jesus go something like this. Really, Edwin, tell me more. And I go, but yeah, God, they, you know, I try to be loving to them, and they don't, they don't respond to my love. I try to be um, caring for them, and they don't respond to my care. I try to be uh, uh, there for them, and they're just taking advantage of me. And Jesus says, really, tell me more. Because it sounds very familiar to me, Edwin. Let me tell you about my relationship with you. I've given you love and given you care and have pursued you like a hound of heaven. And you've turned your back, disregarded, and not cared for my direction. Please, please, tell me more about what they're doing. I go, I don't feel like it anymore. That's what I usually respond. Then, then Jesus says, then what was my response to you? Well, let's see. When I gave you the stiff arm and I said, I don't want anything to do with you. You pursued me. When I said, I want to be divorced from you, I want to have nothing to do with you, you loved me. When I said, I hear what you're saying, but I don't hear you, you pursued me still. You mean, the way you loved me, and then I think about that, and it warms my soul. You mean, you are in me to love like that? It's hard for me to believe, but it's true. Now, here's the thing. What I'm telling you, and again, I'm speaking to Christians. What I'm telling you is the, what theologians call the already not yet. The already not yet. It's like two sides of the coin. Here's what, what I mean. The already not yet is that God, if you're in Christ, has given you everything that I've talked about. He's given you all the strength that you need. He's given you all the love that you need. The fullness that we're going to talk about next, He's given you all of that. He's given it all to you. It's already. So then why is Paul praying for something that's already happened? Because it's not yet. It's like a baby. Have you ever had a baby? There's a beautiful baby right there, right? And so you got a beautiful baby, right? And so you go like, so you take that baby and you go like this. You know what? I'm going to have a conversation with the baby and you go, hey baby, how are you doing? How's everything going? And he just looks at you all googly because he can't even hold his whole head up, right? Now watch this. Now watch this. The cool thing about that, right, is you go, you see, he doesn't have an ability to speak. And then everybody in this room will go, no, 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 he has an ability to speak. It's given to him the day he was born. It's given to him. He can hear, he can see, he can speak just fine. It's going to take some time to develop. Already, not yet. And so, we've been given strength. We've been given love. We've been given... We've been given fullness. Already. And we pray for it. 
And so, when we find ourselves in a situation where it's difficult to love those who are around us, what we do is this. We go to Christ and we say, Christ, you've given it to me already. And, and then some of us would go, no, 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 no. I don't have that capacity to love in such a selfless way. And if you're in Christ, you're simply calling Jesus a liar. Because he's given it to you. So you go, oh God, you've given me this love. I don't feel it. In fact, you've given me a smile for this person that I'd like to punch in the face. So I need you to love not just in me. Love through me. Don't just give it to me. Give it through me. Don't just let me be the beneficiary of your love. Let it so overflow that the people around me are soaked in the love of Christ by experiencing the love that is coming, emanating from the God who loves me, overflowing into their lives. It's that kind of work. But God is not just doing it in you as an individual. He's doing it in this community, in this church. And the fullness we see in verse 19, but we'll read 18 to get the full scope. May I may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Being full. Wow. So you go, I'm not ready yet. No, 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 you're full. No, 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 I still need more. No, listen to me. Full. Gentle. No mas. This is all. And then it's the not yet. It's going, God, you've, you've filled me, now fill me. I know, it sounds a little bit weird, but some things in Christianity are weird. You filled me. Now fill me. I feel so empty. I feel so depressed. I feel so I feel like I feel like there's no one who understands me. Just I understand you. I feel like it's no one who cares. I care. I feel like every time I try to, to, to live for you, I just don't I, I I already you're already beautiful in my eyes. You don't need him to make you beautiful. You're beautiful already. Because I've bestowed that value upon you. But I feel like I don't have any worth. No, I've already bestowed upon you worth that you can't possibly imagine. I've given it to you. You don't have to get it from someone else. No, no, no. But I feel so depressed. But I'm in you. And I've made you. And I love you. And you can be full. Live in that fullness. Our... Our mission, Paul is saying, go back to Christ. Go back to God. Go back to glorifying God. Being filled by the Spirit for strength. Being filled in Christ with love. And being filled by the Father in all His fullness. Why do I bring this up? Because this is the state of the church. So I want to share with you some important information. Because Recovery House of Worship is becoming what the scriptures are saying. Recovery House of Worship is becoming the church I've always dreamed of attending. It's becoming. We're on our way. I, I should have gotten the, the letter and read it. Gus alluded to it earlier. We got a letter from people in um, Europe. Uh, it was actually Australia. They came from Australia. They had every intention of just kind of coming into a museum 
You know what I'm saying, right? You come, you see a beautiful building, you're from out of town, and you come into a museum. They stood for two hours. God moved powerfully in their life. Nobody, I, you should see some of the letters I get. They're never like this one, right? Got to go to Australia to get letters like this, I guess, right? And so, and it's like, you suck. <laughs> Those are the kind of letters I get. And so, yeah, pray for me. And so, uh, and so, God is doing an incredible work in us and through us. It's amazing what God is doing. So now watch this. I want to give you some of the stuff that just has happened in the last year. And some of it you're not going to appreciate. And I need you to just kind of receive. But God, remember, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. As, as a church, and we're not perfect. If you, want to, if you want to find some broken, messed up people, do me a favor. Just look to the right. <laughs> Go ahead, do it. No, I'm asking you to look to the right. Look to the right. Yeah, yeah, right. Now look to the left. Go ahead, Jerry. You can do it. Look to the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have just witnessed some screwed up, messed up people, okay? You have just seen right now. And the, and the one who's the most screwed up is the one you didn't see. And so, <laughs> so listen to me. I say that lovingly, really. So here's the point that I'm trying to make. We're becoming the church that God wants us to be. More and more, we're moving from this self-centered, me first, God hook me up or I'm not your homeboy, to you are glorious. Whether I suffer or rejoice, you are incredible, King God. We are being filled with the strength of the Spirit. We're being loved by Christ Himself and we're being filled with the fullness of God the Father. That's what's happening. It's happening. We are, we are being satisfied in Him and He is being glorified. In us. That's what's happening. So let me tell you, tell you what happened in the last year. It's kind of extraordinary. Here it is. We had, watch this. I'm not talking about regular attenders. I'm talking about just first-time visitors. We got 151 first-time visitors last year. 151. That's massive. You know why? Because you're getting it. You're getting it. You're recognizing that this meal is just not for you. That it's, this is not a church about us four and no more. We've got the goods and we want to share it with everyone that's around us. And because you keep on bringing your friends and your family and you, I don't care how you do it, right? You, 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 whatever, right? Like I'll give you lunch, I'll, I'll pay you money, come, I'll stop asking if you come, wink, wink. And, um, uh, I don't care, but, but you're doing it and people, and, and watch this, out of those 151 first time visitors, for, or, or there's actually more because, you know, people, come five years ago and then they come again you know and, and all that stuff but just 44 commitments to Christ last year last year in 2012 44 commitments to Christ now the reason that you're not on your feet stomping and clapping the reason that you're not doing that is because you don't live in church world I do and I, just this uh, just uh, was it two weeks ago I was reading a book about turnaround churches and it said that a statistic in that book is that 80% of the churches in the United States within the last 10 years have not had one convert not one person 10 years baptismal dry 10 years 44 last year 44 last year amazing now you get it like whoop, whoop, whoop. yeah man absolutely because each one of those are lives transformed 
families affected, Jesus exalted, people coming off of crack and serving the Christ, people surrendering their lives to Jesus and children going, give me some of that because I see what you've done in my father. If you can do it in that wretch, perhaps you can do it in this wretch. Listen, it's a transformed lives. It's amazing. It's amazing. I'm going to just give you, all right, watch this. Out of those 44 commitments to Christ, 42 baptisms. 42. We're going to see another baptism today. He's so precious, I could hardly stand it. He's, it's, it's amazing. Um, 42 baptisms. That means 42 people said, 44 people said yes to Jesus, and 42 of them said, I'm going to advertise that to the world. I'm going to tell this to everybody. Because that's what baptism is. Baptism doesn't get you saved. Good night. If the waters could get you saved, let's all dive in. Right? It's a nice pool. Let's go. But that doesn't get you saved. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And in our recognition that Jesus Christ has saved us, we celebrate that, we advertise that, we share it with the world. 42 baptisms. 30 brand new members. Listen, if you are a brand new member, I mean, like in 2012, you went through uh, New Life in Christ, uh, and, and you're a, a member of Recovery House of Worship, uh, last year you became a member of Recovery House of Worship. We did this in the 9 a.m. service. Let me see if we can do it in this one. Would you stand if you became a member in 2012? Just 2012. Just, I guess they were all in... Oh, no, there you go. Yeah, there's a bunch of you. Right. Okay, yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Right. 2012. I love that. I love that. Fantastic. Now, watch this. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. Have a seat. Right. Now, now, 2013, we're all ready. Starting again, and we, we've already got a number of people. Um, 110 people have gone through our class systems. That means that we're not just growing wide, we're growing deep. Is that good news or what? There's 110 people. 110 people said, you know what? I'm not going to leave my growth up to chance. I'm actually going to invest in my growth. I'm going to start learning. I'm going to take the time, take it out of my schedule to learn about Jesus. Because if I'm giving my life to him, I might as well know about him. And it's 110 People did that last year. We had 43 people in the New Life in Christ, 26 Next Steps, 16 Growing in Christ, 6 Serving uh, in Christ, and 19 Divine Design. It's amazing what God is doing. So, we started this by asking, what's, what is our shadow mission? What's yours? What I'm going to share with you is not the shadow mission. I'm going to share with you the real mission of the Recovery House of Worship. I'm going to do this briefly. Now, listen to me. God has been doing this for years. And when it was written down, listen to me, when it was written down, it was just a pipe dream. But it's happening now. See if you hear your story. Here at Recovery House of Worship, we have a vision for seeing God glorified in all we do and envision. We will create a healthy and dynamic leadership team whose honest and passionate dialogue, decisions, and actions further the cause of Christ on this earth. Such leadership would result in a healthy, spirit-filled church where people are moved to worship God passionately, serve others willingly, give generously, fellowship authentically, engage the Bible with open and sincere hearts, obey Jesus consistently, win souls regularly. Fathers would take responsibility for discipling their families and do it with great skill, seeing their wives and children grow in their affection for Jesus. We see tens of thousands of families transformed from even the most sinful and painful past into spirit-led 
contagious, joyful followers of Christ. We see a process where first-time visitors are encouraged to come into a process that leads them to become active disciplers. I didn't say disciples. I said disciplers. This would produce at least seven salvations and seven baptisms a week. We see sending out 1,300 church planters and missionaries to reach the world for the glory of God and the joy of all the nations. That's what we're going to do as a church. That's what, that's what we're going to do as a church. As a church, that's our mission. Our mission is to glorify God. Now, let me ask you this. What are you doing in that mission? What part did you see yourself in that mission? My prayer is, is that you would find yourself in that mission. And if you can't find yourself in that mission, I pray that you would get in that mission. That your mission would be bigger than how you feel or what you think or how you behave or what's good for you, but that it would grow broader. That there would be many, many people at your funeral saying, that person invited me into a relationship with Christ. That person invested in my life. That person poured into me. And even though they're dead, their work that they've shared with me of Christ's work is growing in my life. So, what's going to happen, guys? We're going to hear... Uh, a baptism uh, story. We're going to hear what God has done in the life of a young man. But before we do that, I want you to know that God is moving in a powerful way. So, here's some new changes that are coming up because we're on mission and we're all about reaching people. We're not about our comfort. We're about reaching people. This Easter, we want to give you every opportunity to be able to reach your, the people in your life. We're going to give you every opportunity. So we're going to work overtime. On Easter, we're having four services. Four. 9 a.m., 11.15, 1.15, They've promised to take me to the hospital after the 3.15 service. And, put, you know, all right, so I'll be able to survive it, okay? All right, so that's what's happening. 9 a.m., someone say 9 a.m. 11.15, 115, 3.15. So you have options to be able to invite your friends, your family, your networks. Invite them all. Listen to me. Invite them all. So that they, now after that, we suspect, we believe God will do great things and we're gonna go to three services after that. 9 a.m., 11.15, 1.15. That means this is an all-skate, folks. All of you, listen to me. Just, if you say, oh, I'm not ready to volunteer yet, I don't even know what to tell you. Get over yourself. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't feel like I'm ready. Yeah, well, okay, you're not gonna, we're not going to throw you into the deep end of the pool without teaching you how to swim. We have leaders that will help. Listen to me. Volunteer for something. If you're a parent, feel free to volunteer in the children's ministry. We'll get you involved. We'll train you. We'll help you. We have uh, leaders there that will ha- be happy to do that. If you don't know how to, just go into any one of those rooms. They'll help you. If you see any one of those guys with the green shirts, we need more people to greet people. Because when you walk in, you know what? People already decide whether they're going to come back to a congregation. Whether they're going to come back to a congregation, you know what they decide? They decide before they sit in their chairs. They decide by how the restroom smells, by how they were greeted at the door, by how um, uh, the children's ministry treated their kids, long before I opened my mouth, they've already decided whether they're going to come back. Please, 
Become a part of that. Um, if, you, if you have a great disposition, if you can't stop smiling, you qualify for the welcoming host ministry or for the um, cars ministry or the parking ministry that we have. Isn't it a wonderful thing that our problem is parking? Isn't that cool? Isn't that good? It means that God is moving, that a lot of people are coming and that God, well, we need people to help people get parked well and all that other stuff to make, because if you're new and you have 20 minutes to park, you're probably not coming back to that place again, right? And so we want to, in every way, create an environment where people feel loved and welcome and served. I need you to volunteer in that. And then lastly, for the Easter service, I need you to consider a different service that you're going to attend. The 9 a.m., the 115. Now, you could serve in any or all of the services. 9, 11, 15, 115, and 315. But the 11, let me tell you something. The religious folk are going to come to the 11, 15. And so it's going to be packed out. If no, if no one that is listening to me right now shows up at 11.15, 11.15 will be packed out on Easter. It just will be. So if you're bringing someone, come to the 11.15. Like that's the one, that that's the time. If you're bringing someone. But if you're just coming by yourself, pick 9 a.m. Uh, do you understand I'm not trying to kick you out? I'm just trying to make space. we got to make space. Does that make sense? Like we have to, we can't have the 11.15 be 400 people and everybody has a horrible experience. And then 20 people at the 9 and, the, and 30 people. we got to spread it out. So just pick in your mind, 3.15, 1.15, 9 a.m. Which one is it? Right? Pick it in your mind. God is doing a great thing. A great thing within our community. And I want every one of you to be a part of that. So would you decide, listen, would you decide that you're going to live for Christ? Now, there's a bunch of you here who don't know Jesus. After the baptism, we're going to take communion. I'm going to ask you to give, surrender your life to Christ. What are you waiting for? He loves you. He di- you don't know if God loves you? He died on the cross. For you. Take it personal. So we're going to see what God has done in the life of a little boy. And I want you to welcome him. Here it goes. Hello, hello, Howe family. My name is Ryan and I am nine years old. I was living in Pennsylvania with my mom and then one day my dad left. Some no reason to pray or talk to God. A little while later, my mom moved to New York. I saw my dad again for a few weeks, but then he left again. I felt sad started to cry. He, but he said it would be okay he, that he would visit that he would visit me. My grandma Maria started to bring me to this church and I look forward to coming every week. I, I met new friends and started learning about the love of Jesus for me. Mr. Larry was my Bible teacher in kids' church. I started listening. It is said that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I listened and watched and watched my pastor Edwin and Pastor Gus. They inspired me and take time to talk to me. They said Jesus died for my sins. It was one weekend I asked Jesus I asked Jesus into my heart. I have salvation and eternal life in heaven because of Jesus. Today I read the Bible and pray. I look forward to coming to church and being with my friends. I pray for my family and ask Jesus to help me. And I will, with Jesus, 
I know that he will always be with me. Nothing is impossible with my Lord. Today, I want to be the person Jesus wants me to be. I want to thank my grandma for bringing me to the church. Also, my mom, because she brought me to the church in Pennsylvania. I want to thank Mr. Larry for helping me. I want to thank Pastor Edwin and Pastor Gus for their love. My mom and dad, I love. I just, Jesus, I love you. And thank you for loving me. And then... just tell you that is absolutely what we are about at Recovery House of Worship. When we're having what we're about at Recovery House of Worship whether you're 5 or 75 wherever you are in your life God has enough grace for you. No sin your pit is not so deep that God's love is not deeper still. You go, but ah, but I'm still stuck in the muck, in the mire. And God says, listen to me, listen to me. God loves. And he says, you're stuck in the muck, in the mire? Invite me in. Why would you want to get your act together before you invited Jesus into your life? That would be like trying to get fit before you get into the gym. Silly. You got it backwards. The gym is to help you get fit. Christ, listen to me. Christ, invite him into your soul, invite him into your life. Here's what we're saying. Here's the gospel in a nutshell. If you're not sure, if you're not, don't get. Listen, here's the way the, the Bible from cover to cover in a nutshell. You ready? You're worse than you think. You're worse than you think. You go, oh, but you don't know what I've done. I'm not worthy of God's love. Finally, you agree with God. You're worse than you think. I'm worse than I think. I'm wretched. And as wretched as I might think I am, I'm worse than I think. You're worse than you think. 
But that's not the whole book. That's the first half. The second half is you're more loved by Christ than you can imagine. Christ sees you. Listen to me. Stretch marks, pimples, and all. And he says, I love you. I see you better than you see you. And I love you. Sin, griminess, dirt. I love you. I love you. But I don't deserve God's love. Of course you don't. But I'm not good enough. Of course you're not. But I don't merit his affection. Of the worst thing is think and despite all that he dies on the cross you're not sure if God cares about you look to the cross he says watch this because you're not sure how much I love you I love you this much and he stretches out his arms and dies it's for you take it personal take it personal and so I beg you, receive Christ. So, in about a minute and a half, I'm going to ask if anyone would like to give their lives to Christ. We're going to sing for a minute and a half. And I just want you to do business with God. And here's what it's going to look like. God, I'm a sinner. And maybe you might think of a sin that you did last night or maybe that you did four years ago or maybe that happened when you were six. I don't care. You're going to go, God, I confess that to you. I'm sorry. Just forgive me. Then you're going to say, forgive me? Come into my life. Be the boss of my life. That's what we're talking about. Handing over. He becomes the colonel. He becomes the, the Lord. He becomes the president. He becomes the ruler. He becomes the boss of your life. That's what we're saying. So I'm going to give you a, a minute and a half to do business with God. And then I'm going to ask you, if you want to give your life to Christ, then I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to take part in communion all together. All right? We'll do it together. So you can just sit there, reflect. For those of you who know Christ, be praying for those around us. I give myself away. I give myself away. I give myself Yeah.
surrendered your life to Christ I'm not talking to those of you who surrendered your life to Christ 50 times or more I'm talking to those of you who have never surrendered your life to Christ you've never said Jesus be the boss of my body Jesus be the Lord of my life you've never done that I want to pray for you I want to pray that God would help you grow so if you've never surrendered your heart to Christ told him, be the boss of my body Forgive my sin. If you've never done it, I'm giving you an opportunity right now. So on account of three, I just want you to throw your hand up. Don't wait for anybody else to throw their hand up. You throw your hand up first. Okay, on account of three. Here we go. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, if you want, if you acknowledge that Jesus died for your sins so that you might be forgiven and be with Him forever in heaven. On account of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up. Yes. I see you, brother. Yes, my Yes. I see you, brother. I see you, brother. I see you, sister. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, sisters. Thank you, Jesus. You still have an opportunity. If it's still you, you can throw your hand up. Thank you. I see you, brother. Praise God. Yes, Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that your word would lodge deep inside the souls of those who have just raised their hands to receive you. Lord, I pray that by your grace, they would confess their sins to you. Surrender their lives. Live for you. That Jesus would be the boss of their body, the boss of their comings and goings. And that would glorify you in all things. Lord, I pray soon that they would be up here sharing their testimony about what Jesus has done in their lives, whether they're five or fifty. Lord, I pray that you do this work. Thank you, O oh God, for all that you're doing in the lives of those that are here. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's celebrate Jesus for yeah. transformation is taking place. So